0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Cloud9Fin, your weekly earful of leveraged credit news. I'm your host, Will Cager-Smith, and this week we're doing a bit of journalistic spring cleaning. We're examining some of the old market narratives around private credit, blowing off the cobwebs, giving them a polish, and maybe rearranging them a bit. So to aid me in this endeavor, I'm joined this week by Todd Koretsky from Allen & Overy. Welcome, Todd.
1: Hey, Will. It's great to see you again.
0: Yeah, you too. It's been a while. So Todd is a partner in A&O's New York banking and finance practice and has experience in all sorts of leveraged financings, including buyout and M and A debt, where AO is steadily gaining market share in North America. So Todd, I want to start with what feels like one of the most persistent narratives around private credit, which is that it's basically this kind of huge. Ever growing cash pile that is just aggressively muscling in on the syndicated loan market and kind of, in some cases, gazumping the investment banks from deals. And just to be clear, when I say private credit, I'm really talking about the big firms, the household names like Blackstone Credit, KKR, Aries, Golub, maybe also HPS, others um, in, in the space. So, this idea that they're out there kind of aggressively eating the investment banks' lunch. As with all well-worn market narratives, I feel like there's probably an element of truth to this, but it does feel a little bit black and white sometimes. So how does it compare with your experience of the market?
1: Well, Will, as you said, it's a persistent narrative uh, for the past decade, and that is for good reason. The, the private credit firms, including the independent ones you mentioned, and some of which um, in, in the market are also affiliates of larger private equity firms, you know, they have continued to take market share from the investment banks, or which I use synonymously with the broadly syndicated loan market. They do have piles of cash. The private credit funds have been raising you know, eye-popping amounts of, of money from investors, and they need to put it to good use. Um, when, you, you know, when, you, and when you think about how they're going to do that, depending on the firm and their investment profile and, and their sort of view of diversification. Uh, they are tending to do bigger deals, right? And those larger deals compete directly with the syndicated loan market. And so you've got private credit firms going toe-to-toe with investment banks, competing for the same opportunities. On the other side of the equation are the private equity firms that tend to drive the leverage finance market, and they are pitting those two uh, financier groups against one another, and rightly so, because uh, from a... Uh, you know, a sponsor or a, a debt issuer's perspective, you know, cho- choice is uh, a premium. And to have, op- you know, opportunity to to put uh, financiers in competition with one another is an opportunity to drive pricing down and to drive terms, you know, into a more favorable place. So I wouldn't say that private credit is eating the investment bank's lunch. I think that's a bit of an overstatement. But I do think if investment banks think, they can ignore this uh, continuing, growing, emerging, at this point, you know, very sophisticated groundswell of private credit competition. They are very you know, naive. And I think investment banks you know, have largely started to really pay attention particularly as private credit deal sizes have increased and started to encroach on the syndicated market. Um, and I think, you know, if we'll talk about this a bit, but, um, particularly during these periods of market volatility, you know, the banks need to really kind of keep their, um, you know, one eye on, on the competition.
0: And when these situations happen where you hear about a big private credit fund stepping in and doing a billion dollar unit tranche or something like that and kind of, um, uh, like i was saying before sort of gazumping the the investment banks there's sometimes a temptation to shoehorn them into this narrative that private credit funds is just so flush with cash that they're being forced towards bigger and bigger deals at higher and higher leverage and that they're kind of they're just desperate to put this cash to work so again i'm sure there's an element of truth to that but Then again, a lot of investors are under pressure to put money to work. It's kind of the nature of the job. So what's your response to that part of the narrative around private credit? Well,
1: my response is to flip it on its head. And I would say, as compared to being desperate or forced to put money to work, the private credit funds have an incredible opportunity to do so. And they're being opportunistic and and shrewd in, in the way they are deploying capital in moments of weakness for the syndicated loan market right or the bond market um they're seeing you know a void and filling it promptly and and indeed aggressively but remember these are buy and hold investors so they you know, they're loath to be too, quote, aggressive, and we can talk about the, the distinction and in, in, in the comparison of terms between the two types of loans, but fundamentally, they need to be a bit more, um, you know, careful in terms of how they invest the funds, but, in, it, but in sim, simply in terms of capitalizing on, you know, whether it's macro or, or specific opportunities, they've become very agile. They have the cash. They're ready to put it to work. They have the professionals, by the way, because their hiring has been, um, you know, really impressive in the way they've they've you know hired away from the traditional leaders in the space. So when you've got the you've got the capital, you've got the expertise, and then you're presented with the opportunity, you know, that's the time to strike. And I've been very impressed at the funds, the various funds' ability to do so.
0: So, on that point, we'll talk about terms in a second. But let's talk first about a story that's surfaced again in the past few weeks, um, kind of similar in some ways to how it did uh, in the first couple of months of COVID, which is that amid all of this volatility that we're seeing currently, so the war in Ukraine, inflation, the Fed tightening monetary policy, slowing economic growth, private credit is the safe place to get deals done in leveraged finance. So private credit firms have been pushing this kind of certainty of execution argument for a while, it does sound like it's especially pertinent right now. So does that ring true for you?
1: It really does. It does, and and um, it, you know, and I I advise investment banks on broadly syndicated deals. That's where I've sort of come up in my career. But I also work extensively with private credit funds, uh, and often my group, it, you know, we advise the two sort of side by side, including when sponsors are dual tracking you know, RFPs across the two, the two products. And so I say that to, to illustrate that um, as, as council we have sort of a ringside seat to see, you know, the comparisons of the two opportunities for, for financings. And it, it, it there is truth to the uh, efficiency and speed of execution on the private credit side. I mean, you don't have this potentially six, seven week period of, you know, obtaining ratings for their debt um, of, you know, putting together a bank book and going out and, you know, syndicating for potentially, you know, eight to 10 business days. Uh, instead, you're dealing with uh, one, two, three, maybe a small club of of uh, credit, credit firms. You're negotiating with them directly. You're not, you, you know, you, you don't have to worry as much about uh, what the market will bear and you're, you're negotiating with your direct counterparty and the lender that you expect to, to be in you know, in a relationship with for an extended period of time. So it, it, there is truth to the speed of execution. There's also truth to the, um, the, the lower or, um, market risk that a borrower takes with a private credit firm, no doubt about it. There's a supply-demand dynamic there, and, and a, you know, a direct lending deal will certainly you know, feel some price pressure uh, you know, in either direction, depending on the, the macro market background. Um, But fundamentally, execution is certainly faster. And if you've got the institutional will, it's more certain.
0: So on that point around uh, pricing, that's that's interesting. I want to talk about just terms in general as well. Uh, So contractual terms, for example. So there's been a kind of convergence in what docs look like between high yield and leveraged loans for some years now on the pricing side we've definitely seen a divergence lately and that's largely because of the macro environment Um, but again looking at the terms and the, the docs is there a convergence happening now between the terms you can get in the broadly syndicated loan market and what you can get in private credit
1: without a doubt yes and again as you said at the top of the show we're talking about the relatively larger end of the private credit spectrum so the 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 deals the the loans for borrowers that could tap the syndicated loan market, right? And they have a choice. And so in that in that competition, what we've seen over the past few years is is the convergence, as you said, of terms where similar to how, you know, broadly syndicated loans and and, and have um, Conformed in a sense to the traditional high yield terms. We're talking about you know incurrence covenants and just generally looser covenant packages. Um, the private credit direct lending loans have similarly been forced to conform to terms that were more conventional, conventionally seen in the broadly syndicated market. Um, and you know it all. There's this this narrative. It it all really flows. Together, in the sense that private credit funds are doing larger deals, they need to compete on terms with the broadly syndicated market. You've also got, you know, expertise and talent that has been, you know, hired away from the investment banks and the syndicated market into the private credit firms. So you've got individuals, you know, all the way down to the founders of some of the the more recent vintage private credit firms that understand the credit terms deeply. Um, and can therefore get comfortable with them from a from a credit and risk perspective. Um, there's a, just a a comfort level in the private credit space, you know, now that um, has taken a while to emerge. But I do think it is firmly embedded now. That, for example, you're going to see, you know, covenant light deals with springing financial covenants on the revolver that has become, you know, predominant in. The larger private credit deals, because frankly, that's how they they you, they have to offer terms that are appealing to their to their to the sponsors and the borrowers, right? Even if the pricing is slightly higher for a private credit deal, um, there are other advantages that you know are being sold, such as as we discussed, execution, speed, and and um, certainty of terms without market flex, and and again without the historical disadvantage of being unable to offer loose, you know, flexible terms for sponsors.
0: Maybe there's a sort of alternative narrative here. Do you think it's fair to say that, especially with some of the big private credit funds, again, that's really who we're talking about here, and obviously many of these are enormous private equity funds. They're part of enormous private equity funds. so they're large financial institutions. What they're doing is actually a lot more akin to syndicated debt or traditional banking, in a sense, than what you would think of as private credit traditionally, like more kind of it's like an evolution of the syndicated market rather than an evolution of traditional direct lending.
1: Well, it's almost like you're suggesting there's a shadow bank market out there.
0: (laughs) I would never suggest such a thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what you are suggesting, I think, is valid. Right. That, um, you know, the traditional broadly syndicated loan market, um, you know, is having to grapple with a the emergence of these larger, you know, direct lending deals that are, in a sense, um, mimicking, you know, the, the terms that have historically been the exclusive domain of the broadly syndicated market. Now, I think that to say that private credit is an evolution of um you know, of syndicated is a bit of a stretch. I think it is more accurate as we, to say, as we have a few minutes ago, that there's a bit more of a convergence, right? And a, and a, and a kind of a carryover effect. And I think, you know, professionals like uh, yourself as a journalist, certainly bankers and credit professionals, myself as a lawyer and, you know, my team, we have all lived this and experienced it on a daily basis, right? Where um, we're seeing, you know the convergence that we discussed already. We are, you know, have had to become facile across the two asset classes to understand the distinction between, you know, a distribution model uh, that our clients are embracing versus you know a buy and hold profile, right? Um, but to to sort of understand the dynamic from the client's perspective, meaning the lender's perspective in my case, because I do tend to be you know you ninety know, percent lender side. Um, as as um, compared to the risk profile of the of the instruments themselves, right? So um, so the other the other I guess aspect of what you're talking about is the traditional bank marketing. I think of that as like club deals, right? So I remember you know I don't know a decade plus ago when you know every deal coming out of an investment bank wasn't broadly syndicated. Occasionally there were you know multi bank club deals. Um, you know, for sponsors or borrowers in lieu of doing a syndicated loan. And that is something that we're seeing emerge, you know, very clearly from the private credit space. There's been deals in the very large deals in the press lately where, you know, a few private credit firms have come together, you know, to provide very large financings, you know, that are pretty eye-watering, frankly, from a you know, historical sense Um and, and they've done so on a club basis right where so I guess that's the bridge between the two markets
0: yeah it's a sort of back to the future kind of situation almost
1: yeah I mean because what we you know we've seen for years so the private credit funds came in and started buying up second liens that otherwise would have been syndicated and so they started getting comfortable with those terms which were you know uh, essentially a, um, replicating the, fr- the syndicated first lien terms and um, and then, we started seeing you know private credit firms just clearing the room, writing a check, uh, and overtaking the investment banks and underwriting you know a particular transaction. Um, so that of we follow the trend, you know, uh, chronologically, and where we are now is a couple of private credit funds, you know, banding together. And affecting the same result, which is to you know either clear the room or to just fill the void, because of market volatility on the you know syndicated loan side, there is you know not a lot of competition in in the moment, um, and those private credit funds you know collectively can offer you know very large, very compelling you know financing solutions for sponsors.
0: And so, what about when we talk about the kind of smaller private credit funds, the ones that aren't necessarily these gigantic financial institutions. So does this narrative hold true when you look further down the space towards more traditional direct lenders, the the firms that typically play with uh, smaller companies?
1: So this narrative doesn't necessarily hold true, but there is a very similar narrative that that does apply. And what I mean is uh, when a company, a borrower is, is too small to access the broadly syndicated market, then there is less pressure on their potential lenders to compete on terms with the broadly syndicated market and so there becomes you know a different dynamic in the negotiation right and i think everybody you know all the participants in that segment of the market appreciate that I, i'm sure and so you know there is more of a direct negotiation on kind of on the merits so to speak as opposed to you know by reference to alternatives. Uh, but the the other narrative that, you know, I think applies and, and is present upmarket as well is just the sheer volume uh, of, of, of funds, of cash that's available. So, you know, there are so many private credit funds that have emerged in recent years. You know, some of the traditional buy side asset managers, you know, from the syndicated market have created you know, direct lending funds, insurance companies, you know, banks in their asset management arms, or just directly have created private credit opportunities funds. Um, so private credit, you know, is is no longer. First of all, it's no longer the domain of you know dedicated institutions that you know focus on kind of lower middle market companies. Um, it has, as we've discussed, grown. You know, to include some very large players making much bigger loans. Um, but at the same time, um, it, it's much more competitive across the board. So private credit is a broad category that encompasses more than just lending. But when we're focusing on you know, making you know, private equity backed or corporate loans, um, there is immense competition in the space from a lender's perspective. So if there's a sponsor with an with a appealing opportunity or a, you know, a company that's a, a decent credit, uh, you know, they can frankly go shopping and it's a, it, it's a bit of a buyer's market in that space, particularly now when, um, you know, asset managers and, and others are looking to, to deploy capital uh, for lack of supply in the broadly syndicated market.
0: All right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. But uh, Todd, thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Good to see you, Well.
0: All right, that's it for for Cloud9fin this week. As always, please drop us a line if you want to share any thoughts or opinions on this episode. We love that. I'll be back next month. But in the meantime, don't forget to check in with our London team next Thursday. Until next time, take care.